0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dylan, good morning. How we doing? Good. The Cougars are 5-0. Oh. Are you uh, encouraged by the way they rallied and scored 29 straight points? to close that game are you a little worried about the way they gave up 23 in a row in the middle of the game and seem to really struggle on both sides of the ball or it's all about the W and you're not projecting any of that other stuff ahead to what it might mean against Boise State
1: yeah I think one of the most important aspects of the entire thing right is you know last week we kind of talked about how are they going to respond uh, how are they going to respond this week right and so I think a lot of the times, and what normally happens with BYU, and obviously, right, you Mr. Blast Apple, Mr. Optimistic, but when you look at normally what would have taken place on a normal BYU team these last few years, it would have been, we give up 23, guess what? That means we're going to give up 14 more and lose the game, right? So for them to be able to bounce back, rally the troops, and kind of get it going, right, I see, I saw a lot of benefit of it, and you still can't, you know dispute the fact that they did play a pretty pretty dang good game against a really athletic team, and they did exactly what we wanted them to, which was, hey, how are you going to bounce back?
2: So when you speak of that, and it's hard to argue when you say that in prior years, what's the difference this year as you see it?
1: Uh, I just think the confidence in the leadership, right? People's confidence in Kalani. Um, you know, there's a plan that goes into place, and their ability to adjust because they understand their personnel, um, I think that there's a lot of confidence in that. And I kind of had said this before, but you look at, uh, you know, Gunner going down and not being able to use him to his full capacity, right? And then immediately switching the game plan and being able to adjust to now having Dax as the main guy, right? And it's a different, they're two different receivers with two different styles of play. And so to be able to adjust like they did. Right. I, I just don't think that would have happened, and I think there's a lot more confidence in you know, Bay Rod and festy and Grimes to be able to adjust under those circumstances.
0: So how does a guy who is apparently overlooked by everybody end up with 184 yards receiving? What makes him good, and why didn't people see it earlier?
1: Um, I, to be honest, one, when you have an absolutely you know phenomenal quarterback who can get you the ball, and then just his natural athletic ability. Um I think he got looked, he got looked over simply just because of the the eye test and right uh, as a high school kid it was kind of like yeah there's other people here right whereas to me as soon as he came to BYU you could see that he was different right that he was a next level athlete and I was extremely surprised to find out that he didn't have any offers or it was just a walk on so um, yeah, I think that's just bad coaching on people's part and, and the inability to actually recruit and find the right guys.
2: You talk about you just named the coaches uh, offensively that the uh, players have confidence in. And, and I've been around uh, college football and BYU football for a good long while right. now, and I can speak to when players didn't have confidence in coaches and we saw the results, and when players have confidence in coaches, the results were startling the other way. So the thought for you yeah. is how important is that, that the players 100% buy into what's being sold to them?
1: Uh, you know, a big part of it. And that's where the culture and the mindset and everything kind of – Truly takes on right a different, uh, I can't, like a, a different task because you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the right culture and people who believe in you as a coach, then you're not going to win many games. The games where you go down and you let up 23 straight points, right? Like it's not going to end up working out in the end.
0: So how much of this is all the the culture and the trust and how much is they had to play three different, relatively inexperienced quarterbacks last season, and this year they're playing one experienced quarterback?
1: A huge part. A huge part. I mean, you just go off the simple fact that Zach hasn't played a full season. This is his first full season where he's been in start to finish, has had confidence that he's going to be the guy from the get-go, right? Um. Uh, from a quarterback standpoint, that's a huge, huge benefit.
2: You called it with the Zach Wilson. We've been over this. Uh, you called it as a freshman when he was a freshman, that how great he could be. Do you think you were the lone guy out there? Or did others believe it at BYU?
1: I think we're so used to believing this about every quarterback that comes in that people were more skeptical than normal, right? Because that's kind of like the – where it's like, hey, you know, every quarterback that comes in, right, you talk about, oh, this is the next, and this is the next Robbie Bosco. But in reality, right, that really was that guy from the jump, and unfortunately it's kind of like crying, Wolf, right, we've heard it so many times since that everyone is like, oh, here we go again. Like another BYU quarterback who's supposed to be a Heisman Trophy winner when, you know, people who genuinely know kind of what they're doing what they're talking about were – looking at that and saying, hey, this
0: guy is legit. You surprised that BYU's depth held up so well? There were a lot of guys missing, either for part of the game or the whole game, and there were different position groups and all that, and yet the depth came through well enough. Yeah. You got us? Sorry. That's okay. I'm curious if you were a (laughs) little surprised that the depth held up so well in so many position groups, because there were a lot of guys missing for either part of the game or all of the game.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and that was that was going to be kind of the big test, right? Like, how is how are you going to go when your defense is based around Kairos, When your defense is based around Zoe, how are you going to be able to hold up? Um, you know, against that, how are you going to be able to adjust when Gunner's not playing? Right, and they really did a a phenomenal job of stepping up and playing extremely good football, and I think that's an testament to yeah, uh, you know how. How good this team really is, um, instead of just being able to say, "Oh, well, we only have 22 guys that we can play with." They're they're playing with everybody.
2: So when we get to the Boise week, focus and attention and enthusiasm and all that stuff will be on high alert. Now, obviously, all of us will be excited for that game, but we got two games before we get there. What do you want to see this team do to make sure that they're in tune and still progressing against far lesser competition? So they're not overlooking these guys and looking ahead to Boise.
1: Yeah, I think a big part of that is how can you play all four quarters, right? There needs to be the focus and priority on setting higher goals. Um, You know, maybe not as uh, attainable. I guess It's, it's all about hey how many consistent plays can we have in all four quarters instead of, you know, let's not let up uh, 14 points and bounce back. Like, I hope we're not having the conversation of, oh, we fought back really well the next two weeks. Like, there needs to be kind of an utter dominance that goes on the next two weeks against these teams before Boise State because, you know, when it comes down to it, that really is the true test. No matter what anybody says, no matter how Boise's playing, BYU has struggled at Albertson Stadium and against that team.
0: Yeah, they're not alone. We were digging up the numbers earlier this week, and uh, Utah, Utah State, and BYU combined are 0-15 at Boise State on the blue turf since 1996. Yeah. Utah State won there in 96, but since then, and that was right when Boise State was making the move to the Big West and they, they had not become Boise State yet, but since then everybody's right. a combined 0-15, and there's also some fairly hideous losses in bowl games and in home games. Uh I think there's a combined four wins in that time period for all three schools. Yeah. Brutal. I, I,
1: I, and I actually really like it, right? Like, I, I don't know why the, my entire career, the three times that I played there, uh, I actually played some of my best football at Halverton Stadium. Uh, didn't beat Boise at the end of those times. Actually, one of the most embarrassing losses was probably Boise State, uh, I want to say 2016 um, Or 2015, my freshman year at Hawaii, obviously we weren't very good. and Putting up even three wins was special, but uh, at Boise, I think we lost like 48 nothing.
2: Good times. <laughs> a bunch of attention is coming BYU's way, obviously, this year uh, with the national ranking and Zach Wilson doing what he's doing, and at least it should continue to a good degree, to what degree remains to be seen but how much do you think this can benefit guys who maybe were thinking about going elsewhere to say, no, man, I I like what BYU's doing. I'm going to – I might might go there.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, This is probably going to be the biggest year for recruiting. I think if you even look at the last year and the recruits that BYU was able to get, um, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys who are now – waking up going, hey, this is worthwhile, right? Kalani has another four years. We're kind of just getting the ball rolling with this team. I think the next three or four years could be extremely beneficial when it comes to recruiting.
0: So the NCA is inching its way towards changing the transfer role, uh, and I guess it'll be official next summer, apparently, is the timeline. But as a guy who transferred... How much talent do you think will be available to BYU when they don't have to have a grad transfer and get them admitted to grad school, which is its own separate hoops to jump through? How big an impact will it be when someone can just come for a a junior and senior year or just a senior year, just a year or two, and and do it as an undergrad?
1: Yeah, uh, I think think it's going to be huge. I think it's big for college football in a lot of ways, not just BYU, right? Because you're getting you're kind of opening yourself up for opportunities on, you know, people aren't saying, okay, where do I want to live for the next four years or what powerhouse conference I want to be at for the next four years. It's kind of like you may go for two years and love the height, right. Of the uniforms and the locker room and all that stuff. And then, you know, you might after the second year, your only thought is, well, if I leave, I lose a year and then that puts me a year behind. So I'm not going to go. Right. Whereas now, you kind of have the ability to say, if you are going to transfer, you feel it's right, then you're saying, well, I'm not a big fan of the situation. I'm not putting myself in the best situation. So I'm just going to go ahead and I can go play where, you know, I feel is best for me and it's not so, hey, what looks cool and what's the the best locker room to be in. So for BYU's sake, it's, it's big.
2: So, has BYU discovered something in terms of scheduling? Because, you know, they've gone big, and they usually get out of September with a couple losses. And here, because of the circumstances, they've gone, so to speak, smaller, with sprinkled in with a few big games, sort of like Boise has done over the years. What do you think about this going forward, or as a player, would you rather have the other guys and let the chips fall where they may?
1: I'm... I think a big mix of both. I think this team specifically would have handled the schedule that was online extremely well. Can we say that every single year? Absolutely not. But I think, you know, when it comes to truly being able to prove yourself, no matter what happens, if BYU goes 10-0 and this year and they go to a New Year Six Bowl and they get blown out by 30, everything that happened before doesn't matter, right? And so – that's what happens with a lot of these teams is you get this schedule that's, you know, a little cakey, and it gets to the very end, and they can't perform against that first big P6 school against uh, as part of the New Year's Six, and they kind of, you know, everyone loses their respect. I think needing, you know, a little bit more competition, building out that schedule with the strength it normally has, I think that has more for the bigger picture than just, you know, than just uh, being 12-0 and, and losing in
0: the P-6. Dylan, I like that. The schedule, a little cakey. I think that is a chance to just catch on. <laughs> it's just a touch cakey. Just a touch cakey. I've I little, never heard the word cakey. A little cakey.
1: In Hawaii, it means children. Uh, but for this case, it's just, you know, Maybe maybe a little soft, yeah. but that's that no right. That's that's at no one's fault. Right, it's just right. COVID's fault.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah. Yes.
0: All right, Dylan. As always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming in and uh, enjoy the Texas State game slash blowout. If I didn't jinx hey. anything.
1: No, <laughs> that should be the case. If not, we've got huge worries. All
0: right. Thanks, Dylan.
1: All right.